Samuel and all the prophets. We're going to look at one of those today. He said, by faith they overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God promised them, part of it anyway. And, uh, and so in Hebrews 12, 1, the writer of Hebrews refers back to all those people. He says, therefore, he says, since all these people did this, he said, therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses, live the life of faith. So he said, look, we're surrounded by a crowd of witnesses. Now, who's in that, who's in that crowd? All those people I named in, in chapter 11, my mother, many of us have loved ones who've gone on before us that are in that crowd of witnesses. I want you to picture this. I used to run races, obviously. It's been a long time ago. And I remember it was real fun running the, the uh, corporate cup, and it finished right by the Superdome. So you were running up Porter Street, and people were lying the streets, and they're cheering you on. And, uh, and I was running. I was about to cough up a lung. I was keeping up with this guy who was a really good runner. I was 60 pounds lighter then than I am now. And so I'm running, and, and they're cheering you on. And you get excited when people are cheering you on. And, and, uh, and so you pick up the pace. When I would run other races, I would imagine people cheering me on, you know. And, uh, and so I want you to picture that. These crowd, this crowd of witnesses is cheering you on because over and over in the Bible, it talks about our walk of faith as a race that we're running. And he says, so you're surrounded by this Huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, to the race that we're running. And so he says this, strip off every weight. Strip off every weight uh, uh, that slows us down, especially the sin that uh, trips us up. Now, sometimes it's easy to kind of spot sin that can, can, can pull us back. It's easy to spot sin. But sometimes the things that we need to get rid of aren't bad things. It might be a relationship. It might be a job. It might be... Uh, a place that you're living or whatever, that you need to strip that off because it's going to keep you from following God. I know people who have turned down jobs because it was going to take them away from their church because they knew they needed to be there or or things weren't going to go bad or or were going to go bad. And so he says, strip away those things and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Each one of you, God has set a race for you. And it's different. Every one of us runs a different race. But you've got a race that God has set, a, a, a destination he wants you to make it to, some things he wants you to do along the way. And so we're going to look at that today. We'll actually look at that over the next few weeks. Now today we're going to learn some lessons from Samson. When I was younger, I used to love Samson because he's a weightlifter. I always worked out. You know, and I think, yeah, you know, because Samson would just pick up buildings and everything, and, and I'd pick up my 20 pounds and stuff like that. But but, you know, Samson was a miserable person. I don't know why he even made it into Hebrews chapter 11. You can read about Samson's life in Judges 13 through 16. But there's names there, you know, that you wonder, how did he get there? And Samson would be that, you know. And, and, uh, and there might be some you read about in the Bible, you wonder why they weren't listed. But Samson is there in the hall of fame of faith. And, uh, and so we're going to pull him out. Now, Samson had a call of God on his life. He was born with a purpose. He had a call of God on his life, but he was a miserable guy. He is not the kind of guy you want around your daughter. He was a womanizer. He was a liar. He was deceptive. He was, he was violent. I mean, he was just a bad guy, you know, and uh, he didn't live up to his calling at all. He ends up with a woman named Delilah. You don't see a lot of people naming their daughters Delilah today, but uh, she learns the secret of his strength, cuts his hair. The Philistines catch him. 
gouge his eyes out with a knife, and he spends the rest of his life hooked to a thing, grinding grain where an ox should be. They didn't kill him. They just wanted to humiliate him. And, uh, and so we're going to pull him out of the crowd. Why? Because he's in Hebrews 11. And, um, and so I'll tell you why he made it to Hebrews 11 at the end of the message. But sometimes we think we can see things clearly on our own. But I think Samson, if we pulled him out, would say this. Write this down. You don't have to lose your eyes to be blind. You don't have to lose your eyes to be blind. I mean, you, you know, uh, even though you can see, sometimes you just miss it. You're missing out on things. You, you, you know, and this was Samson, and unfortunately it's us too. We don't see the big picture God has for our life. We don't, maybe we don't see things that are important that, that we should see. We're blind until something happens that helps us get our vision back, you know, and, and things like that. I always pray that, that, that we'll see what God wants us to see without the two-by-four hitting us beside the head, you know. But uh, some things that I think Samson was blind to that it's easy for us to get blind to are this. One, we can be blind to God's purpose for our life. Write that down. We can be blind for God's purpose for our life. God has a purpose for each one of you. And Samson had a call on his life. He had a purpose. He was gifted with awesome strength. I mean, he killed a thousand Philistines barehanded with the jawbone of a donkey. Now, then he had to kill the donkey first, all right, you know. And so, I mean, he was, a, he was a warrior. He was better than Arnold was. I mean, in all those movies, I mean, Rambo, none of those guys did this like Samson did. And, uh, but he had this awesome, but he threw it away. Look what, look, look what has told his mother about his purpose. Judges 13, 5. You'll become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite. Now, a Nazarite was somebody set aside to God. They couldn't touch a dead animal, which Samson did. They, they couldn't drink alcohol, which Samson did. And they couldn't cut their hair, which eventually he did and led to his downfall. So you couldn't do those three things because you're dedicated to God. He was dedicated to God from the womb. And here's what it said his purpose was. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. He'll take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And, and so that was his purpose. He was born to get rid of him. Now, he didn't fulfill that purpose, so David ended up finishing that off. The Philistines kind of messed with Israel all the way until David. Remember the giant? He was a Philistine that David had to kill. And, and so my fear for you is that you go through life without having that sense of my life matters. Your life matters. God has a purpose for you. You've got a call on your life. Listen, when you understand that, you make better choices. I make better choices because I'm a husband to my wife. I make better choices because I know that there's expectations of me, there's needs of me. I make better choices because I'm your pastor. And, you know, we make better choices when we understand what our calling is. Listen, uh, Proverbs Solomon says this, where there's no revelation. That means where people don't know what their purpose is. You don't have a revelation of your purpose. Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. What's that mean? They just do what they want to do. What do you see around us all, all over the place? People just doing what they want to do. Uh, you know, they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff because they've cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Or looking at that through the cross of Jesus, blessed is he who follows Christ, you know, who follows the Lord. When you have a sense of purpose, you make better decisions for your life. See, when you don't see God's vision for your life, you're in danger of settling for an earthly counterfeit. 
We don't want you to do that. And, uh, and so you can be blind to God's purpose in your life. You can also be blind to the power of relationships. To the power of relationships. Now listen, bad relationships impact you in a powerful way. But guess what? Good relationships can impact you in a powerful way. I told you about I was in a small group of guys when we first accepted Christ, and we sharpened each other. We made each other better. We were going in the same direction, and we helped each other grow. And so that can go both ways. Well, let's look at what happened to Samson. Samson was dedicated to the Lord, and he goes running around. And It says when he returned home, in chapter 14, verse 2, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah has caught my eye. Now what that means, if you wrote it today, she was hot. <laughs> caught his attention. Here's what he said. I want to marry her. Get her for me. That's what he's telling his mom and dad. And, and his father and mother objected and said, Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among the Israelites you could marry? Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? In other words, they're saying, why can't you marry somebody with the same belief system you do? Why can't you marry somebody of your faith? It wasn't a prejudicial thing against Philistines as a, as a people. It was, against the relig it was a religious thing. I would tell you today, if you're wanting to date somebody, don't date somebody if you're a Christian and they're not. Don't go into business with somebody if you're a Christian and they're not because you're unequally yoked. And, and so here... Samson's parents are saying, look, she's a pagan. She's going to lead you down the wrong path. And he's going, I don't care. She looks good. I want her. He said, but Samson said, get her for me. She looks good to me. And, uh, and so Samson, you know, he didn't listen to his parents. Anybody besides me you ever got in trouble not listening to your mama? I mean, you know, I mean, uh, you know, and so he didn't listen to his parents. And, uh, and, and, and his life was marked by his poor relationship choices. Look at look, look what 1 Corinthians 15.33 says. It says, bad company corrupts good character. You see that in the life of Samson. Here, not that he had real good character, but I've seen this over and over and over again. Somebody starts dating some guy, and he's a bad boy. Oh, I can get him saved. No, you won't. No, you won't. Or a guy will say, yeah, I know she's a bad girl, but I'm going to bring her to church. No, you won't. No, you won't. I've seen it. I, I'm, I've, I've been around the block a few times, and I've seen it over and over and over again. You know, he said, don't be fooled. Bad company corrupts good character. Your friends uh, really show what your future is going to be. You know, young people, anybody that's younger listening to this, you need to listen to your mama. And you need to listen to your grandmama. You need to listen to your parents. See, here's the thing. I've seen further down the road than my children have. I've seen further down the road than my grandkids have. They just, you know, they just, they just see what's, what's here right now. And uh, matter of fact, the Bible says, honor your father and mother. The first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. Especially if you're a West Banker, because West Bank mamas... They'll tell you something like, I brought you into this world, and I will certainly take you out. And, uh, you know, and you don't want that to happen. But, but see, you, you need some eyes that have seen further down the road because as a great theologian once said, Taylor Swift, she said this, when you're 15 and somebody tells you they love you, you're going to believe them. Let me just correct that. If you're 15, if you're even 20, they don't. A 15-year-old boy, I mean... I've been 15 before. When I told a girl 
that I loved them. I just wanted some sugar. I wanted some smacking. I wanted some lips. I mean, you know, I mean, but let me tell you, boys are dirt, girls. And, uh, and so they don't, don't believe them. Guys, y'all know I'm telling the truth. Yeah, don't leave me out here hanging by myself. What's that? <laughs> Listen. We can be blind to the relationships. We've got to choose our relationships carefully. And so look, the next thing, we can be blind to the nature of God. We can be blind. Say, Samson was gifted by God. He had supernatural strength. I mean, he had amazing strength. He picked up the whole city gate and took it up on top of a hill because he was mad at the Philistines. One time he caught a thousand foxes. You try that. I've had them in my front yard up in Georgia before. I wasn't going out and grabbing one of them, all right? And uh, he tied their tails together and burned all these. I mean, Samson was amazing physical what he could do, but he, he just tossed it. He was blind to the nature of God. And so he was sleeping around. He was an immoral guy. Like I said, you wouldn't want him around your daughter. Uh, and since you couldn't kill him because he was too powerful, you just hid your daughter, all right? You know, but, but he, he hooked up with Delilah. And, and here he was. He's living an immoral life. And, and Delilah wants to find out the secret of his strength. And so he's going to tease with her. He's going to lie to her. I mean, he's already sleeping around. Might as well li throw lying in there to it, right? And so she says, uh, how, you know, he says, well, okay, look, if you tie me up with a guitar string, I guess, you know, something like that, I'll be as weak as anybody. So she does that while he's sleeping. And then she says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He just breaks it and kills a bunch of Philistines. And so then... Uh, she said, you made fun of me. So if you tie me up with a rope that's never tied to anybody, you know, uh, I'll be as weak as anybody. So she does that. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he just breaks the rope and kills a bunch of Philistines. And, and so each time Samson would lie and sin, he said, God's going to forgive me just like he did the last time. And another time, so he gets a little bit closer to the truth. He said, if you weave my hair into a loom and make a fabric out of it, I'll be as weak as anybody. So she does that. Same thing happens. God Forgives him, he gets up, breaks the ropes, kills a bunch of Philistines. So finally she just stays after him and stays after him and, and he tells her the truth. If you cut my hair, I've never had my hair cut. If you cut the hair, I'll be as weak as anybody. She realized he told her the truth. Look at what it says here. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. That's a whole other message. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down. Folks, the wrong crowd will bring you down. And his strength left him. And then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he just thought, hey, look, God will forgive me. I'll just do like I've done all the other times. I'll break the ropes. They wouldn't break. Because, look, it says he didn't realize the Lord had left him. He had drifted over here so far, so carnal in his life, that he didn't realize he didn't have the presence of God in him any longer. He didn't have the presence of God with him anymore. He thought God would just keep forgiving him. And so the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, and instead of killing him, they bound him with bronze chains and forced him to grind grain in the prison. So they captured him. They gouged out his eyes with a knife. They hooked him up to a mill wheel where oxen supposed to go, and he's going round and around. Grinding grain. Now listen. 
We're going to learn a lesson from this. I preach the goodness of God. I believe the goodness of God draws men to repentance. I believe God is a God of grace. And it's first and second and third and fourth and 50 chances down the road. But God is also a holy God. And, and he won't put up with us willfully not following him and sinning forever. At some point, he'll let you reap the rewards of your behavior. He'll let you step out and, and you just keep doing this and doing this. People wonder, why did so-and-so overdose? Because they kept making those statements. They kept doing that thing, making those bad decisions. And all of a sudden, the consequence, the consequence, the consequence. See, so many people wonder how their child ended up in jail. The consequence of their continued decisions. The consequence of those decisions. Look what it says, my spirit in Genesis 6. My spirit will not strive with man forever. You say, well, that's the Old Testament. We're in, the, we're in the time of grace. Well, Romans 6, Paul said this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? He answers that by no means. By no means. You don't, you don't keep sinning so God can keep showing grace. He said, by no means. How can we who died to sin, we accepted Christ, we died to the pattern of sin in our life, how can we then go wallow in it? That's what he's saying. We don't. See, God will let you. God will let you get out there. You may, you may get out there and make some choices, and, 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 and he's going to let you wallow in that. He's going to let you wallow in that, just like what happened with Samson, grind, grind mill. You may lose a job because you don't deal with your anger. You may have children that aren't in your household. You may have a disease that you didn't want. You may have a broken body because you did things. But he'll let you, he'll let you get out there and experience, experience that. I had a friend of mine, I knew him years ago, uh, and, and years before I knew him, this guy had, he was a youth pastor. He's about 15 years older than me. He's a youth pastor in, in, uh, down in Florida, and, and he was having an affair with one of his teenager's mom. And, uh, and so he remembers knocking on the door. And he heard God say, run, don't do this, leave this alone, don't do this. And he said, God, leave me alone. And God did for 15 years until he was with a gun in his mouth about to pull the trigger and he cried out to God. He cried out to God and, and, uh, and God forgave him, gave him a different ministry later on, but he had to repent. He had to repent. So let me tell you, we need to, you know, I believe Jesus is my best friend. Jesus is my Savior. He died for me. But I've also got to realize Jesus is the one that spoke the world into existence. And though my mama couldn't speak me out of existence, Jesus can. He could have come off that cross anytime he wanted to. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and he is a holy God. It breaks his heart when I sin, but he will not allow sin to go on forever. So we need to have a fear of God. Not to be afraid of God because God is not, he's not unholy. He's not unrighteous. God's holiness demands that he cannot look at sin. That's why Jesus had to die. But we need to realize we've got to walk in a fear of God. Matter of fact, when I understand what it means to fear God, I can live fearlessly. When I, when I understand what God expects out of me and what God wants out of me, and I can walk fearlessly. When I do that. So what would Samson say? I mean, Samson said, you know, we can be blind 
We can be blind to these areas of our life, but what would he say to overcome that? So I want to share some more words with you. So I need you to listen. I need you to listen. Samson would say this, cultivate the presence of God. Cultivate the presence of God. You know, you've got to do whatever it takes for you to cultivate that presence of God. You know what cultivates the presence of God better than anything? Obedience. Obedience cultivates the presence of God. You see, you, you know, you might hear the word of God. I see so many people. You hear it and you walk around in disobedience. He rewards obedience. You walk around in disobedience wondering why God hadn't blessed your finances. Why God hadn't blessed you with a new home. or God, Because you're walking in disobedience. You're walking in disobedience. So you've got you've to you've obey God. You've gotta, look what it says here in 1 Thessalonians 5. He said, don't stifle the Holy Spirit. You know how you stifle the Holy Spirit? Disobedience. Sin. When you go out and do things, you say, God, I don't want to do it that way, God. I'm, I think I'm going to try my way. And so, stifling the Holy Spirit, don't do that. He says this, don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. We're to not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. The way you live can stifle the Holy Spirit. It can bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. And it will do that. It will do that. If you willfully get out in sin. So write this down. Put God first. Put God first in your life. Put God first in your life. Here's another thing Samson would say. Here's another thing Samson would say. Choose your relationships carefully. Choose your relationships carefully. See, Simon... Samson chose very poorly in his relationships. Some of you are choosing poorly as well. You're listening to me. You've chosen poorly over and over and over. I see so many young people. One bad relationship, go right to another bad relationship. Go right to another bad relationship. We just keep making the same mistake over and over and over again. That's what Samson did. And so some of y'all, you, you need to follow some of this advice. Look at this. Number one, nurture important relationships. You need to nurture important relationships. Relationships that are important to you, relationships, your family, people like that, you need to nurture those relationships. I need y'all to like, y'all really distracted. Y'all can not talk. You need to restore broken relationships. You've got relationships that are broken that you need to restore. You need to, you need to do what you can to live in peace with somebody. And you need to sever harmful relationships. Some of y'all are in relationships that you don't need to be in. That you don't need to be in. And you need to sever those. Might be friends that are going the wrong direction. See, people get saved and say, well, you know, my friends, my friends. Oh, you need to walk away from those friends. You need to walk away from those friends. We were just with a young man yesterday who, who was with some, quote, friends. Now he's in the hospital fighting for his life. Because they weren't friends. One of them shot him. You, got, you need to separate. You need to sever some relationships that are harmful. You need to listen to your mama. Somebody told me, don't ever underestimate the power of a praying mama. No, you don't. And then you need to initiate some meaningful relationships. You need to admit, you know, when I moved from Rome, Georgia to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 
I found a church before I found an apartment. I had to initiate some meaningful relationships. I didn't want everything I was doing to be at work, even though I was working about 16, 18 hours a day. You've got to initiate those meaningful relationships. Look what Proverbs 13, 20 says. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. Walk with the wise. In other words, walk with people who are where you want to be. If I, wanted to, if I, if I was wanting to learn how to uh, do air conditioning work, I'd go hang out with people that could do air conditioning work. If, if I wanted to learn how to be a chiropractor, first thing I'd do is go watch Dr. Rick, and then I'd go to school. All right? If I wanted to, to, to learn how to play the keyboard, I'd, I'd, it wouldn't, I wouldn't go hang out with me, for sure, because I can't do it. You, know, you, you go take lessons. You hang out with people who are doing, going in the direction. Those guys that I was saved, and we, we got together, and, and we grew together. We... We were going in the same direction, and so you want to you do that. So walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools, and he doesn't say you'll be foolish. He says you'll get in trouble. You'll get your eyes gouged out. You'll get your eyes gouged out when you hang around with fools. And here's what we need to do. Look at Hebrews 10.25. It says this. Let us not neglect... Our meeting together, as some people do. A lot of people have gotten used to not going to a church, not just our church, other churches. During this pandemic, we like to watch church in our pajamas. That's not what this is talking about. He said, don't neglect meeting together. If you're afraid and you've got some health issues that you can't be around people and you're not going to the restaurant and you're not going to Walmart and you're not going to, to the grocery store and you're not going to spring break, then, yeah, you need to. Stay home if you're afraid. If you're doing all that, if you can go eat in a restaurant, if you can go to spring break, if you can go to Walmart, you need to get back in your church. You need to get back in your church. You need to get back in a group. You need to not be connected because as Pastor Kathy always says, the banana that gets away from the bunch gets peeled. It gets peeled. You need to stay connected. And, uh, and so we've got to not neglect meeting together. I was listening to a guy who was talking about watching cheetahs hunt and they were and and these cheetahs were and they were on a safari and they were watching this group of cheetahs and these cheetahs had packed together and they were hunting and, and they came up on some zebras and all of a sudden these cheetahs spread out about a hundred yards in between them and they spread out around, around that and the zebras are running and and the cheetahs are out there and all of a sudden like in unison like they had headsets on those cheetahs attacked because a zebra had gotten by the edge and drifted away from the pack just a little bit, and those cheetahs ate that zebra. Because they coordinated that zebra got away from the pack. Don't get away from the pack. Connection is vital. That's why suicide is up so high right now. It's like the second pandemic. is suicide going on right now. Got to be connected. Got to be connected. And, and so I told you I was going to tell you, how Samson got on the list. He was a miserable guy. He's a miserable guy. But Samson made it on the list, just like several of them. I mean, David was a miserable guy, too, a lot of the time. Many people on that list, they didn't live so good of a life, but they finished well. So here's the deal. doesn't matter what you've done in the past. You need to hear this. doesn't matter what you've done in the past. You can turn that around. Because Samson would tell you, thirdly, failure is never final. Failure is never final. Listen to this last verse. Judges 16, verse 28. 
Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Samson turned back to God. And he said this, Sovereign Lord. Sovereign means I recognize, God, that you are in charge of everything. He said, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Remember me again. Remember me again. See, he, he's saying, Lord, I know I've been kind of out of, out of situation for a while here. Remember me again. And then he said this, Oh, God, please strengthen me just one more time. Underline that in your outline. Underline that one more time. And with one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my eyes. See, we serve a one more time God. I don't care what you've done in the past. If you want to turn back to God, just say, God, one more time. One more time, God. Strengthen me one more time. And, and the rest of the story on Samson, the reason he's in there, he finished well. He, they, they brought him out to make fun of him, and they leaned him up on two poles. And he said, God, strengthen me one more time. And so God did. And he pushed the support beams to the Superdome down. I mean, that's, this place had thousands of people in it. He pushed them apart. The thing collapsed, and he killed more people on one day than he did his entire life. More Philistines. More of the enemy of Israel. One more time. See, failure is only final if you refuse to get back up. Solomon said the godly man may trip seven times, but they get back up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. So listen, some of y'all, you need to hear me, that are hearing me today. You, you, you've fallen down, and you need to get back up. Maybe it's a failure as a parent, a grandparent, or, or maybe it's a failure in your business. Maybe it's a moral failure. Maybe it's, it's your dreams have passed you by, and, and you're going, what is, what is going on? And you need to get back up. And, and Sam, like Samson said, Lord, remember me again. Strengthen me. One more time. Strengthen me one more time. It's time for you to put God first in your life. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Maybe you're here today and, and you've strayed away from God. Maybe